Before I begin, a couple quick announcements. Next Sunday, right after service, we're going to go caroling. Uh, those that know Maddie know that she started treatments. She's had her x-rays, five treatments so far, and she's preparing for chemo, and she can't come out. And I don't know that we'll be able to get to her, but in the apartment building, there's a commons area, and if she can come down to that, we'll sing there, and if not, we'll sing outside her window. But as many as you who, who can, come next Sunday, right after service, we'll We'll convene and go down to Maddie's, 10 minutes away, and uh, just let her know that we're thinking of her and praying for her and love her, and it'll give us a chance to pray for her, too. I'm pausing a second until the uh, system gets warmed up. Guys, how many of you men like to wait? Are you pretty good waiters? Do you wait well? Um, you know, if I pull into a restaurant and the parking lot is full and I see one or two people, there can't be any food there that's worthy of waiting for. I'm not very good at waiting. My wife will attest to this. And when I go shopping with her, I'm not sure what's happening in the hum. Steve, is it a, something up here? There it goes. Okay. When I go shopping with Myrna, it's always an experience. Um, Myrna goes in to memorize the inventory. Any any other ladies like that? And and okay, I see that tanned. Okay, you know, I uh, I I learned a long time ago that I never say, "Why don't you go ahead and shop, and I'll meet you here," because what I end up doing is wandering through the aisles looking, and usually have 15 clerks say, "Can I help you?" They, I look look a little lost, but. But Myrna has a way of uh, spending a lot of time looking at something that she has no intention of buying. Yeah, Men, are any of you like this? No? Okay. Well, I may be the only one. I've learned don't set eat later uh, because her clock doesn't work. I don't do that. But Myrna's a good wife, uh, and she always forgives me when she's wrong. Yeah, she makes it a habit of that. We're, we're going to look at a couple people who were waiting, and really, this is one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It's about an old couple who spent a lifetime. They weren't married. They were both single from what we see, and they had spent a lifetime waiting for the coming of Messiah, and we'll be in Luke chapter 2. If you want to make your way there for me, Luke chapter 2, we're going to read an extended passage and uh, we're start at verse 22 and work down through 39 of Luke chapter 2. You know, just a word. A couple weeks ago, I gave you some of my reservation about Christmas and about Christmas trees and some of the lights and decorations. And if some of you are sensitive to even the use of the word Christmas, I understand. The, the word Christmas came from Christ Mass. And uh, the first time it was used, the first time it's recorded was in about 1038. There was something that uh, was called the Christ Mass, which was a Mass for Jesus. And this week I spent a good deal of time uh, studying through what the Mass is and what they believe about the Mass, those who practice it. And I was a little surprised. 
I was surprised that there isn't much consistency within Catholic doctrine as to exactly what the Mass is. And uh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how much diversity there is within their own system. But when I use the word Christmas, and I think probably when you use the word Christmas, my mind is not going to a Christ Mass. You know, usage of a word determines its meaning. Word meanings change. And when I say the word Christmas, my mind is going to the events that are depicted in the story of Christ, the Savior, coming to earth. That's Christmas to me. And I think in common usage, hasn't that become what Christmas means? We really don't think in terms of a Christ mass. We don't have a mass. You know, words do change in their understanding. And, and I think Christmas is one of those words. There's some interesting words, like the word nice. The word nice originally meant silly or foolish. So if someone says you're nice, it may not be a compliment. You know? <laughs> uh, the word meat, we use the word meat. And the word meat uh, meant any food. And that's not what we use. We use uh, the word meat for flesh, for animal. Um, the word awful. The word awful actually was a praise word. It meant worthy of awe. So when your music teacher said you sang awful, she really meant that you were worthy of awe, that it was, it was a compliment. But the, the word usage changes, and I think that Christmas is that way. I'm uneasy with the term Christmas because I know of its origins. And so when I use it and when you use it, I'm going to take it to the understanding that we're talking about the birth of the Lord Jesus at the point of time when he became man, and uh, that is Christmas to me. Let's read uh, in Luke's gospel, starting at verse 22. We're going to read the story of these two old people who were waiting for Christmas and waiting and waiting and waiting a lifetime. Why don't we pray first? Father, thank you for this story. Thank you that we find here two people who lived a lifetime faithful, hungry for your coming. Lord, as we think through this today, I pray that there'd be a great sense of expectation in us as we hunger for you coming again. Lord, that we could be like Simeon and Anna. We could be anticipating, looking forward to day by day, the day that you come again. And Lord, as we look at these two people's life, help us to learn from them. Help us to learn things that will enable us to walk faithfully. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses... They brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. <clears throat> Just a quick word on that. In the law, the first male born was dedicated back to the Lord. And we talked about this this morning in our ABF. And you, you guys, if you can come, you'd enjoy our 9 o'clock hour uh, this morning, I didn't want to quit. 
we were, we were involved in good discussion and we were getting good input. And what we find is sometimes we don't agree 100%, but we realize we agree on all the important things. And uh, if you don't have something that keeps you from, from being there, you would enjoy that 9 o'clock hour. Come be with us and uh, join in the conversation. We're reading through the first chapters of the Gospel of Luke just and looking at them section by section in that class right now. With that in mind, every male child that first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord, verse 23, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And I have to stop just long enough to say this. The word consolation means comfort. And it's from the same word, uh, paracleto, that we get the word Holy Spirit. When Christ said, I'm going to send you another comforter, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. This is a form of the same word. It's paraclesis, and it, it means comfort or encouraging. So here's this man, Simeon, who's waiting for an event that's going to be the encouragement, the comforter of Israel. And then the last, last part of verse 25 says, And the Holy Spirit on him. And it had been revealed to him, verse 26, by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. For a sign that is opposed, verse 35, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then a widow until she was 84. And she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting with prayer day and night. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Simeon was with a consolation, a comforter, and here's Anna looking for the redemption, the redeemer. Uh, the word redemption means to buy back, to, to buy back by paying a price. And so she's anticipating the one. Get the picture of these two old people. One waiting for the comforter, the one who was to help and console his people. The other waiting for the redeemer, the one who was going to buy back his people by paying a price. And I don't know how much they knew. Did they know everything? I doubt it, but they knew enough to know 
that there was a Redeemer coming and that there was a Comforter coming. Then that, that last verse says, uh, verse 39, And when they performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Just a couple things about Mary and Joseph that you learn from this passage. The first thing you see is that they were faithful. They were people who were devout. They were serious about their faith. The Lord knew Mary and Joseph, and he knew who Mary was, that she was a serious young woman. And and here she is in her mid-teens, maybe 15. We're not sure how old, but maybe 15 or so, just a kid. And the Lord calls her favored among women. He pulls her out and says, you're, you're a faithful young woman, and I have something for you. Can you imagine that? How many 15-year-olds do we have? How would you feel if the Lord came to you and talked in those terms through, through the angel? And so they were a special young couple. They were unique, I think, in their faith. Maybe no more unique than Sin and Anna. They're pretty unique, too. But they were people who believed God. The second thing about Mary and Joseph is they were poor. I'm amazed when you read through the Christmas story how many poor people are involved. A lot of poor people, shepherds, uh, the poorest of the poor. And here's this young couple, and the reason I know that is because of their offering. They brought an offering of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That was the offering of poor people. People who had any substance at all would have brought a lamb. But there was provision for those people who couldn't provide a lamb. So Mary and Joseph, young couple, devout in their faith, serious about who they were. Then as you look on, you see this entrance of this guy named Simeon. And this is the only mention of this Simeon in Scripture. So he comes on the scene here, uh, unusual man, older man, you get the sense from the text, Older because he says that I've seen, then I can go on and depart. So he was probably of the age where it would have been normal, four score, whatever age. And, and he is waiting and waiting and waiting for this one to come. Notice what it says about him in verse 25. It says he was just and devout. Uh, some translations use the word righteous there. He was righteous and devout. And so he lived right. Simeon was a guy who was living right, who was living up to the light that he had. Uh, wouldn't it be good if people could say that we lived up to the light that we had? He lived up to everything that he knew. And so this Simeon is there waiting, anticipating, serving. Some have said he was a beast. I don't see any evidence of that. I don't, I'm not sure why we'd call him a beast. I think he's just an ordinary old man. Ordinary in the sense that he didn't look different. He wasn't well known. But he was extraordinary in that he had a faith. He was looking forward to God's intervention in the history of mankind. And this just devout man would probably have known everything there was to know from the history of Israel. Uh, Simeon would have celebrated Passover. And each time he celebrated Passover, you can be sure that his mind went back to the days in Egypt and how God had superintended the life of his people and ultimately delivered them from Egypt. And so he knew the story of Passover. He would have known all of the stories. He would have known the stories of the captivity and how God said there was going to be a time of 70 years 
that they were going to be captive, and then that, that the Lord was going to deliver them. He knew all of those things. So Simeon would have been acquainted with the history of God delivering and superintending his people. He also would have been acquainted with the prophecies. Um, Simeon would have known that there was a promise of one that was to come. He was, he, there was a promise of where he was to be born, that little village. There was a promise that he was to be born of this young woman who's a virgin. There's, a, there's promises even of when he was coming. And, and Simeon would have known all of that. He would have understood that. And he was determined and dedicated to wait until the Lord come. And then look what it says about him. That he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon knew that he was not going to die until he looked upon Christ. None of us have that same assurance quite. I can't tell you that I'm going to be around when the Lord comes back. I can tell you that the Lord's coming back, but I, I just don't have any kind of light from the Holy Spirit that would tell me that. And I'm not sure anybody else does either. Be careful when they go climb on a mountain and wait. Uh, I don't think we have the justification for that. But we do have justification for living in anticipation of his coming. He is coming. And maybe, just maybe, he'll come yet in my lifetime. You think that's possible? Is it possible? Dave, is that possible? Is it? Dave's in a similar decade here. And could he come before we're gone? Yeah, he could. And I do hope. But Simeon knew it. He knew that Christ was going to come before he died. And so the Lord led him into the temple. You see that in verse 27? And the parents brought in Jesus, Jesus who was coming to be dedicated to the Lord, firstborn who's being dedicated to the Lord, and there's Simeon. And it, it says that he took the child up. Can you imagine the feeling of an old man who had waited a lifetime to see Jesus. And then he picks up this baby. And the Lord fully revealed to him who this baby was. Can you put yourself into that seed? Here's this little baby. And he is the one that's going to bring comfort, consolation to his people. And then look what he says. Lord, you can now let, verse 29, your servant departed peace. My life is fulfilled. I've got everything that I ever needed and wanted is here because I'm holding in my hands the Lord Jesus. A lot of things that I want in life. When I drive down the road, I see these new cars, and I want one, right? I uh, I, I want, in case any of you are loaded down with a lot of extra money, what I'd really like to have is a new Impala LTZ, um, preferably with, with leather interior and a sunroof. And uh, I don't want the four-cylinder. I want the, the 3.6 unless there's something that has more horsepower. But, that you know, I look at these things. And, you know, I really would like to have a log cabin. So if you're really loaded and just want to bless somebody, you can build me a log cabin. Inside, rustic, finished. Wouldn't that be neat? 
to, to live like that and drive in in my new, well, you got to have a pickup to go with your car, so I, I need a new pickup too. But, you know, the things that we live in anticipation of, right, the things that are exciting to us that we're really pumped about, how many of us would say that Jesus is what excites me? How many of us could honestly say that? How many of us could honestly say, I'm living my life in anticipation of his coming. And, you know, if we are, if that's true of us, then Peter says, what kind of people ought we to be? If really that's true of us, would we be active in representing him to the world? Would we be active in telling people about the Jesus who's coming soon? I think so. Simeon, special guy, just devout, led by the Spirit, and just seeing Jesus, just seeing Messiah, was his greatest ambition. And then we read about this other lady, equally unusual. Uh, you start reading verse 36, and just a, a word about her age, because some of your translations will say that she was a widow for 84 years. So if you do the math on this, either this translation says she was 84. The older translations say that she was married and she lived with her husband for seven years and then she had been a widow for 84 years. And so for you mathematicians, if, you, if she got married at 15, her number, and lived seven years with her husband, that would be how old? 22. And then if she lived 84 years as a widow, she'd be how old? 106? 116. Okay, that confuses us all with the math. You get the idea. She's an old woman, but it, it, it may be that she's 84, and the language is ambiguous enough that we're, we're not certain, but she's an old lady. And look what it says about her. First of all, that she was a daughter from the tribe of Asher. You know, the Asher was one of the ten tribes that was lost. Um, they weren't really lost. The Lord knew where they were all the time. But after the captivity, there were ten tribes that never really reformed as a nation. And they were taken captive and they were dispersed. But some of each of those tribes came back to Jerusalem. And the Lord still knows all about the twelve tribes. Two of them were there, and ten of them were taken captive, and she was of one of those tribes, the tribe of Asher, that was taken captive. I think that's interesting because she knew who she was. She knew of the promises to the people. She knew all about the 12 tribes, undoubtedly, and she probably even knew what had happened to her people, that they'd been taken captive, and many of them never came back. So here's this old woman, a Jew of the Jews, and uh, it's, it says that she didn't depart from the temple, verse 37, latter part, but worshipped with fasting and prayer night and day. Now, apparently, um, and there's some discussion on this too, but apparently she lived in housing that was provided on the temple compound. And she was there all the time serving, praying, fasting, doing whatever probably the priests asked her to do. Uh, she was a servant, just an old lady. Would you have noticed her? Would you have noticed Simeon? Except maybe to say, that old guy, get out of my way. I got places to go. 
I mean, well, we have noticed Anna. Incidentally, her name in Hebrew would be Hannah, which means grace. But would we have noticed Anna there in the temple, just kind of inconspicuously serving and whatever needed done? I doubt it. I doubt that we have noticed her. And, and can I just pause and say for a minute that, that Myrna and I have been blessed to have old people in our life who were very important to us and who modeled faithful living for us. I think uh, in particular of one old couple that always comes to my mind, our first church down in Aberdeen, Ohio. Can't get there from here, down along the High River. And uh, there was an older couple named Ted and Addie Niebuhr. I think I've even told you about them before. But the Lord brought them into our life at exactly the right time. And, you know, no one knew Ted and Addie. Their names weren't on signs. Uh, Addie was a piano player, the only piano player we had. And Ted was an engineer who kept working because he said the church needed his money. But, but Ted and Addie were just a faithful old couple. And what a treasure they were. They modeled Christ for us. Uh, they showed us what it's like to live your whole life. And they were already in their 70s. That's really old. They were already in their 70s when we came to know them. And, and the Lord showed us that people, regardless of their age, keep living. I do not see retirement in the Bible. I, sorry, I don't see it. I can see retirement from a job where you have to go to work 8 to 5. Great. But to just quit serving and to quit trying to honor the Lord with our lives, where do we find that? And why would we want to? Why would anybody want to? God help us to continue in serving until they tag our toe, right? Keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't quit. Yeah, we may have to do it at a different pace, and, and certainly I'll tell you we do. <laughs> we have to do it at a little different pace. But these old people showed us something. They showed us that you can live a lifetime waiting for, anticipating Jesus. And when he's come comes he's more than you even thought he would be that he satisfies their heart both of these people finish their life satisfied wow is that good that we finish our life satisfied of jesus you know that that brand new impala ltz what's it look like when you drive it five years look at my car it's not an impala ltz but you can see what a car looks like when you drive it five years it's not clean anymore it's got scratches and the carpets are dirty and you know it doesn't doesn't look like that anything in this material world is going to go away except jesus and he's never going to go away and so where's the longing of our heart Sure, we need a place to live, and sure, we need a car to drive, but, but where, what's our heart long for? What's my heart long for? I have to ask that question of myself. Am, am I longing to see Jesus? Am I longing for the time of his coming? Am I longing for the time when he will govern this world as the comforter, as the redeemer, and finish the act of redemption as it redeems, redeems the physical lives, us? Yeah. Amazing people. She prayed and she fasted night and day. And I can imagine that she was probably in an attitude of prayer and maybe fasting. And she walks into the temple at God's appointed time. 
and what is before her? Jesus. So her prayer was interrupted, but it was interrupted by the answer to the prayer. As she's longing for the Lord, here he is. Now, it does not say that uh, Hannah, Anna, picked up Jesus and held him. But can you imagine this 84-year-old woman walking by and not holding him? Simeon had held him. Can you imagine her not taking him from Simeon's arms and looking at him with just adoration and love? And can you imagine all the questions that were in their mind? This, this little baby is the Redeemer. How is this going to be? This little one is somehow going to be the one who delivers his people? How can this be? And Simeon. Simeon had some insight because notice what he said to Mary. He said to the father and mother, um, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Not everyone's going to accept this baby. And many are going to rise and many are going to fall because of him. And he goes on and explains that. It, it's for a sign that is opposed. Do people oppose the Lord Jesus today just as they did then? Are they opposed to his reality? Are they opposed to his redemption? Are they opposed to his intervention in our world? Just like today. But then he says in verse 35, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Did Simeon have some sense of what Mary was to experience? Next week, uh, Derek's going to be talking about Mary and Joseph, so I'm not going to spend time and take away from what he's going to do, but I'll just say this, that this young woman who held this baby with a love probably that we can only imagine, and then she's told that one of these days he's going to be responsible for dividing people, and one of these days, there's going to be a sword penetrate your heart because of what happens to him. And, of course, our mind goes forward uh, 33 and a half years. Our mind goes forward to the time when he's on a cross. And Mary looks up, and there's her son. But you know what he's doing? He's completing the promise of Redeemer. Two old people. Let's... Uh, learn from their example and let's be faithful throughout our years and let's live in anticipation of the coming of Christ I'm reminded when I read this story of Acts 111 the the men are standing there Christ has just been taken up at the ascension and the men are standing there and they're pretty amazed wow this Jesus who was with us who taught us this Jesus who was our savior he's gone back to heaven and, and they're looking and wondering and the angel comes along. Do you remember what he said? He said, "Ye men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus that you've seen go is going to come again in like manner. And so get out and get busy. Start telling people about him. And I think that's the word the Lord would have for us this morning. Paul said, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. And then he goes on and closes that paragraph saying, comfort one another with these words. What do you think? Do, do the words that Jesus is coming, do they, do they comfort you or do they disconcert you? 
Do you find them troubling or do you find them comforting? Comforting. Uh, Jesus is coming back. The end of, of Anna's story, it says in verse uh, 38, uh, she gave thanks and began to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So Anna begins to look and say, did you know, did you know, did you know the Messiah has come? The one that we've longed for, waited for, the one we've anticipated, he's come. And my heart's full. And is our heart full? Is he enough? I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Is Jesus enough? And I hope, listen folks, I hope that the resounding answer that comes back from the depths of your being is yes. Yes, Jesus is enough. He is my comforter. He is my redeemer. Jesus is enough. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm humbled as I read these words. I'm humbled by the example of people who knew what it was to be faithful, who knew what it was to live expectantly waiting for you to intervene in history. Lord, the challenge that they bring to my heart is, am I like them, living with this anticipation of your coming. Lord, am I looking forward to it? And, and Lord, do I believe that the Comforter is coming again? Do I believe that my redemption is going to be complete? Do I believe someday I'll have a new body that's fashioned like your glorious body? Lord, do I believe that? Do we believe that? God imprinted on our hearts. And, and I pray that as we walk through this life that rather our thoughts being occupied with the stuff that is so around us so prevalent in our thoughts that that stuff would diminish by comparison to the Lord Jesus God help us to love you more and and help us to tell others that Jesus is coming again help us to tell others that he came and Lord, help us this Christmas season to share that this is the great season that we celebrate the entrance of this God-man, Jesus, into our world. God help us, we pray in his name. Amen.